I hope that works. Recording. <laughs> I, I think it worked. It might have worked. I mean, I got level screen. I am through. recording. I feel like we might be a second uh, off because I didn't know if we were going to hit it at zero or on zero or after I said zero. You're John was pretty clear zero, about on zero. Hopefully, and at <laughs> yeah, zero and on it, zero. Did he say on zero? I, I, I'm at the it, risk. It, I feel like I talk too much with uh, with direction and stuff, but I guess it's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was pretty clear. He's like, when you say the word zero, hit the button. At the R I, or the E or the O or the Z. I, you have to really lay things I, out I for George. All right. Well, I'm either so way, you're prepared. probably going to have to align some of the tracks anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. All right. Who wants to? Uh, uh, oh, wait. Who wants to intro this who, one? Who's going to yeah, intro? Who wants to do yeah, this? Yeah. That's you. Would Victor? Me <laughs> no. or George? No. Or you? You just don't want to do it, John. No interest in being a host. I'll do it. I have no problem doing no, it. Just. I mean, you. Hey, I'm saying we we can take turns no, every week. Just, just curious. We could. Just seem very uh quick to pass it off, John. Is all I'm saying. Oh, I just didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't. You know. This is I'll do this it. is it. This is your intro. This is your cold open, George. And welcome to the Joypod PAX East 2016 edition. I'm your this week's host, George Jimenez from joystickin.com, and joining me the in this in this triumphant we have going on here. Did I use that word right? I mean, it's three, right? No. Nope. Yes, sure. Come on. Uh, that is Victor Calgianis. I said it right this week. Yeah, uh, all right. Yeah. You're going to say hello, Victor? Yeah, I think that's all right. I was going <laughs> to let him ramble. Remember, this is an audio podcast. <laughs> I did give a thumbs up. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, the thumb comes in just like the nod. Yeah. All right, great, Victor. No one can see that. That's awesome. And uh, that third voice was uh, Mr. John Azalona. Hello, hello, everyone. I feel like, How are we this week? I feel like he has more trouble with your last name somehow. Are we all rested up from PAX? Do we feel good? No, absolutely wow. not. No? Do, do we feel okay? Do we have all of our belongings? No, you have some of my stuff. <laughs> I do have your I coat. Didn't... How do you lose a coat? Because it was warm in Boston, and I just forgot it in the car on Thursday, and then remembered it on Monday. It was actually really warm this year, contrast to other years. I mean, there was no snow, so we were kind of like taken back on it, you know? I can hear your phone, John. It's just uh, unprofessional. I know, right? Just... Oh, my God. <laughs> Unbelievable. Put my phone on my pillow John, here now. <laughs> John, John's a busy guy. I, dude, it's nonstop. Uh, you would figure... So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we did PAX this week, uh, last week actually. Uh, we drove to Boston and we uh, we did some coverage. We did. Uh, John wrote a couch, which was weird. I wrote a couch. Oh, I wrote a couch. Uh, Totino's had an awesome uh, promotion there where there was a bucking couch. I think that was the hashtag, right? Hashtag bucking couch or couch rodeo. But it was awesome. It. I was calling it Pro Rodeo Simulator or whatever, <laughs> trying to make it my own. But I I own that shit. I was riding that shit like a mother. I didn't do good in Sonic. So basically what it was is they had you playing Sonic, trying to get the most rings while sitting on this couch that throws you around. But I made a little fanfare out of it. You know, I had people cheering, screaming, yelling, throwing their shirts at me, you know. Did see a lot yeah, of bras. you were quite the showman yeah. out there. I was. I, I, well, we have a video up on the site, so you can see exactly so, what we're talking about. Uh, so explain to me your, your, your couch riding technique. Uh, well, I, you know... Especially after uh, getting laid off, I know a lot about riding on the couch. Um, I'm mostly on it. Uh, so 
my my strategy was to not wear a seatbelt because they had people recommending that they wear a seatbelt. And I said, no, sir. No, ma'am. I do not. I do not want that seatbelt. I want to go full focus, follow my chi, and uh, use those stomach muscles. So I've been told. Let me ask you a question. Since uh, I did film the video that we have on the site, um, how many rings did you end up with? Zero. Okay. Absolutely no rings. But <laughs> none. What did they say about your, you know, couch riding prowess? Uh, I think the fans speak for themselves. <laughs> I think there was quite quite a bit of cheering. Uh, people saying I was the best couch rider nice. they've ever seen in their lives. Um, at the end, I did my signature move. I did a roll. I didn't. I did the John roll off the couch. Uh, it was cute. You can see it up on the site. So do you practice you that? Know, roll I'll be back home? next year. Is that how you get off the couch every time when you're trying to like go to the kitchen, get some food? You just yep. tumble off. Of it I don't like use my legs. I don't use my legs. I traditionally just roll places. It conserves uh, energy, um, especially on hills. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, so uh, couch riding aside, let's talk about the actual show. What did you guys think of, of PAX overall this year? Um, as opposed to last year, I know there was a lot less snow and seems like there was a lack of giant AAA booths just consuming all the corners of the uh, convention floor. Uh, Vic, what would you think? I thought it was a really good show. And yeah, like the indie scene is absolutely taken over that show, just like everyone knew it would. You know, once they had the first like, you know, what was it? Their indie 10 that became the mega booth and then now they have the mega booth is like half the show floor and then there's the indie mini booth because they couldn't fit everything into the mega booth so put another indie booth right next to it and it's just jam-packed and you know there are other like the handful of triple a things you know 2k is always there and uh you know sony had uh uncharted multiplayer microsoft and had like the gears multiplayer so you still get the big stuff but really that show is for fans and indie developers and i thought it was a great showing this year so they pushed back uh the actual show floor where the mm -hmm. line area usually is for uh con goers they pushed it all the way back to basically cover the entirety of the boston convention center and it showed because i want to point out this year it was the least at least appear the least crowded uh, at those choke points between booths. Mm, um, I don't know if I'd agree Not with a that. lot of smelly elbow. Well, I would, I mean, I felt definitely like I had the most room that I've ever had in the past. Uh, I mean, there were spots, don't get me wrong. It didn't not exist. There was traffic in certain areas, you know, but they yeah, did have. around the uh, League of Legends booth when they were doing like their tournament. Because they have like a tournament section where they're playing like competitive Halo and hearthstone and law and when they were like all kicking at the same time you could not get through that traffic yeah it was rough there there were there were probably about five or six major tournaments going on at pax street fighter oh, yeah. and the ones that you mentioned too but uh, overall i think this was my favorite pax in the past five years um not because of any one particular moment but it was just pretty good all the way through um there was never any any pits to it um, aside from the fact that I forgot half of my clothes at home, <laughs> and when I got and when I got there, I realized that uh, no shirts. I needed to go buy shirts. I had to go shirt shopping. I also forgot my laptop, and I also forgot my phone charger. <laughs> so right off the bat, uh, I was out like sixty dollars uh, just because I forgot shit. Because I'm a fucking idiot. That's all right. George George yeah, didn't like... even show up until Saturday. <laughs> Yeah. I was there Friday. No, you weren't. Night. I did not see you. You, you know what? At least I brought oh, my not camera on the floor. gear. I was, I was, I was in Boston Friday night. I remembered all my shit. I was just, just saying. You know, 
Yeah, but John got some sick H and M shirts though. Did look pretty good. Dude, they were they were fifteen bucks each. <laughs> Don't tell anybody that I was networking with at the parties that the, I was wearing cheap ass shirts that dissolved in the dryer. <laughs> but um, uh, uh, but their games there. Uh, John, you 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 compiled a list because I was too lazy to of uh, stuff that we all saw. I got to play. Uh, so yeah, let's just run down because I think we 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 all kind of got hands on with a lot of the same games down there. But uh, or up there, I don't know where you're listening geographically. But uh, uh, John, what you got there? Why don't we start with one. I uh, once again, yeah, no, we'll be here for hours. <laughs> we did an interview where George uh, a wrap up. It was, the, inter- the interview was about eight minutes long, and George took up about seven and a half minutes of it talking about orcs and fucking and, uh, and chaos knights. All right. Granted, Chaos Knights were in two. But anyway, so, yeah, this is, uh, you know, it was so good that I actually do have a list of awesome games that I did check out. Um, I guess, Vic, to get you in the conversation, we stopped at the Adult Swim booth. Yes, we did. On, I think, Saturday. And we got a chance to check out, uh, my favorite game of the booth was Headlander. Um, That's Adult Swim working with... Double Fine. Double Fine. Which is crazy, because I think, you know, Double Fine always develops and, and uh, publishes their own stuff. And so I was actually kind of surprised to hear that they were using Adult Swim, well, not using, but working with Adult Swim as their publisher on this one. But that game is awesome. And it's like, I think... the visual style, I know, John, you really like, is very uh, 1970s sci-fi film. And even just beyond the visual style, just uh, like aesthetically and... Um, but just some of the camera angles that they use and some of the little shots that are just very reminiscent of, you know, any, if anyone's, you know, seen 2001 and, you know, you'll see pockets of inspiration and, uh, you know, and other cheesier, uh, like laser focused 70s sci-fi films. Um, just using like budget, budget camera angles and it, it plays back to the, that time. Yeah. The 70s sci-fi. I have to say for Adult Swim as a whole though, they've come a long way from their mobile gaming prowess and just simple little games uh, based on parody to actually have like these full-fledged um, I wouldn't go as far to say trip quote quote triple A titles, but uh, playing their games, they had an impressive booth this year. Absolutely. Um, I mean, because you look at where they started with just, like, Flash games based on some of their shows. And you're like, all right, that's cool, dude. You know, if you're into the shows, that's kind of neat. And now it's like, you know, we saw Death's Gambit. We saw Headlander. We saw Katana Zero. And those are all, like, fully, like, fledged indie, you know, Double Fine. I don't know if you call them indie, but, you know, Death's Gambit and Katana like Zero. Like, triple, maybe, maybe, like... You know how there's triple A, maybe they're like triple I, like just a bigger <laughs> indie studio. Triple I? It's so dumb. I hate all these yeah. terms. Yeah. Oh. I mean, they're all stupid. There's no good term. <laughs> Video games. They're all still pretty good games with low uh, teams and low budgets. Yes. Small medium, teams, medium like... teams and medium budgets. Like, is that how we're going to categorize it? But anyway, Headlander uh, was really good. The Basically, the mechanic was you are only ahead lost in outer space in this strange world and it plays much like uh here's another term metroidvania style game where there's backtracking getting abilities and unlocking doors and things like that uh there's a layer of comedy over it playing again to the 1970s thing well double fine always where... has their, their humorous writing that really plays into it and even beyond the writing just their visual styles and, and visual gags are always pretty good the reason it worked so well i think um, for that game in particular, because you're you have no voice because your head's been cut off or whatever the hell happened to you, so everything around you has kind of been 
anthropomorphized and has a voice like doors and things like that so um it was really funny game look for it and another thing the particle effects in that game yeah real cool really cool all the lighting Um, and the lasers and everything just look fantastic Vic, what else did you play uh, at the Adult Swim booth? I played uh, Death's Gambit, which, uh, so we, we have a video going up of uh, me talking about all three of these, and you and I talk about Headlander, but Death's Gambit is a, it's like a 2D Castlevania slash Dark Souls, and uh, I'm not going to say Metroidvania because it's a dumb term, but... <laughs> I already did. Uh, I know. it's it's, it's Seal's it's, broken. It's not Metroidvania. It's a 2D Dark Souls, if you want to use these kind of terms. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, you... I mean it, it's, a, it's a shorter way of saying a game where it blocks off your progress because you need a thing, and then you get that thing, and it continues your progress. That's a, like, like, it's, it's a little bit of the case in this. Um, so this, you know, Death's, uh, Death's Gambit really isn't too much uh, Metroid influence, but more just visually looking at it and just feeling it and, you know, actually playing it as very Castlevania. But then very Dark Souls, and it's very punishing. Um, you know, there are, I don't think there were corpse runs, um, but it is, you know, very brutal and, and easy to die. And speaking with the developers, they're very upfront about their influences of Castlevania and uh, and Dark Souls. And that game is just, it looked really cool, and I mentioned this in the video, but, like, the animations are really detailed, and there's very, like... Um, small things that you can overlook that they didn't really have to put in there like your character is constantly breathing you can see his breath in the air if you run for too long and you can see his you know his shoulders kind of moving up and down when you stand still it's just minor little touches that really go a long way and that game just seemed really cool and punishing but awesome there was there was quite a few games uh on the floor this year that we got a chance to play or even saw that kind of where they're uh, wear it on their sleeve wear dark souls on their sleeve yeah. um another game pretty similar to it um with the twist being that there is actually co-op uh and it's also a rogue light mm-hmm. yeah uh, in here yeah well you know what man at this point it's it's almost pedantic to like make be like all right shut up with the terms because it's like we all know what they mean we might as well just universalize it and be like okay when I say it's Dark Souls, you know it's going to be hard. You know it's going to be this. You know it's going to be well, that. Well, there's only two so, games in the industry now. It's either League or Dark Souls. There's <laughs> no more genres. Maybe Madden. Maybe and then Call of Duty. But those are all. But then everything's an RPG. So fuck it. Well, I would I would venture to say that uh, Necropolis reminds me a little bit of Wind Waker because there's Z targeting. I can see that. Um, which is like the lock on with Dark Souls. But we did have a chance to play <laughs> that at the end. You could call that playing. Yes, we we played it. <laughs> well, okay, so we booked an appointment with um with these guys and we ended up getting almost booted out. Well, pretty much booted out we by the enforcers at PAX, even though we set a set a late appointment with them. Um really really nice people really wanted us to play their game and we kind of snuck it in under the radar. I mean, we got um, we got a decent amount of time in there. We were also uh bad at video games. And at working together, maybe just yeah, maybe just that particular video game because the co-op. Well, well, first you know it's it's a dungeon crawler, roguelike, Souls-ish, whatever, however you want to describe it. Uh, it it has. I think the final version will have four-player co-op. We were playing three-player co-op, and they decided to tell us at some point in there that there's friendly fire. So of course, the first thing we all do when we first load into each other is try to whack each other in the head with swords. Yep. And he's like, "No, you're you're losing health. Don't don't do that." And that that, that was that was fun. They had to explain the premise of friendly fire to us. I guess <laughs> the way you're saying, "No, no, <laughs> you're hitting each other. You're losing health. Oh no, I'm, please stop." I'm pretty sure they were just like, "Why are you doing this? 
why don't you guys just play the game? You're just beating the shit out of each other in the opening well, they, area. I think, I think what they assumed was that we're like we're press, we were press in an unrelated field, like we were coming from like some big press outlet that's like we're covering video games for the first time she was like okay you hold the controller like this and we're they like were, oh they were like condescending but they were they were very nice <laughs> they assumed we, were, we came out of from like a radio station or something like you know people who are well, we're just covering here for fun because it's local it's like no we're not like fox one we're we, we know nah, we were just fucking they've been we were just fucking around they were very nice and accommodating and then once we started getting kicked out they were very nice to give us some cheats so we can move through the demo pretty quickly and see what the game has to offer. And it looks great, like, especially, uh, you know, this is another pretty common thing, but uh, the dungeons are procedurally generated, uh, which is pretty cool in its own right. But then when you're running around with two or three other people, it gets pretty neat. And uh, the boss fights and the enemies seem pretty cool, and uh, the different weapons are, are neat. Just like it's... Everything felt really nice, and it came together very well. And I'm pretty excited to play that game. Yeah, considering how hard the the combat was, because it's um, there it is kind of like shield and parrying focus. Mm. So having two other people fighting with me, so you know I'm not pulling all the aggro or like there were some situations where John had a, like a train of guys chasing him, and I was just like, all right, let me just wait here, and as they come, <laughs> hit him over the head with shit. And and that worked out really well, like, up until we all started doing our big flourish attacks and all just, again, hitting each other and knocking each other over. Or, uh, oh, I did. I jumped off the map at some point, and then I'm just waiting yeah. down there in this pit for you guys. There's a well, there's a little bit of fall damage, as we learned. But, uh, but speaking That of was the... my, first, my first question for the developer was, how does co-op benefit a game like this? Mm -hmm. Like, how, you know, if you think Dark Souls, yeah, you think summoning or whatever um, can help, but... It was weird to hear four people. I know you could summon more than one, too. So mm. we there was a, a moment or two, like you said, George, where I was kind of kiting some guys around in your health. But it's yeah. definitely a cautious co-op type game yeah. where you have to make sure you choose your battles, know when people can jump in. Um, but yeah, it's loot-based. Um, the idea is that you go further and further down, down the procedurally generated hole to try to get to the lowest layer of hell or something they, like they that? They were saying the the, they will... Right now, you know, the game's still in development, so there is no end game, but they are going to develop one. So it won't just be an endless tunnel or uh, dungeon, rather, of, of enemies. They will have an actual final ending. The theme with a lot of the games that I think we saw this year is that there are some really impressive visual styles, and, like, Necropolis wasn't an exception. Like, it's super minimalist, polygonal style with these, the nuance and, like, the sand, like, glittering sand mm. and and things like that so and the gear that glows i mean it's an rpg the gear glows right yeah. so it really draws attention to it seems like what they spent more time on in terms of assets yeah um, so uh, they, yeah especially yeah what you said is a very minimalistic approach where so when you do see like that big fancy sword or spear it does kind of like pop and you're like yeah i earned that like i killed that skeleton guy now it's mine and it was cool too with the combat with you know like john you said is very cautious co-op but it's also kind of satisfying in a really fucked up way when you're all kind of ganging up on one dude and just taking turns just like just fucking ganking him you know like he's like a rival gang member and you just walk down the wrong alley like it could be a little brutal and fucked up but it's still oddly satisfying if you're like us i suppose i mean that's co-op done right right yeah. like you're with your chaining attacks together or you're using you know i guess once you get later in the game and you have different weapons that kind of jurisdict what class quote sure. you're playing um, but the friendly know, fire also together. comes into that too, because you don't want to 
accidentally hit one of your teammates when you're all just like mashing buttons to hit the same person so you kind of have to have that communication or at least that wherewithal and that you know presence what's great about it too is we have plenty of rogue like road like game whatever's and uh it's kind of cool to be able to go on a run with friends like sure a lot a lot of these games that we play i play into the gungeon now you can play local co-op but uh, I was just playing uh, today on the stream. I was playing um, what's the name of the game? Ziggurat. And I think it'd be cool to reach a certain level with friends. There's a different sense of accomplishment there. Mm-hmm. So that's that's cool. Reminds me of Diablo a little bit in a sense. Yeah. Turns out um, co-op is just always fun. It really yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my favorite type of games, co-op. Yeah. Um, Speaking of co-op, uh, I had a few minutes to hang out with uh, the guys over at uh, Cuphead, uh, MDMH Studios, um, and it seems like that's a game you have to play in co-op or else I didn't even know that you're gonna die. It's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it looks really hard. I thought it was only single player, actually. Uh, no, it's it's cooperative too. Um, and the way I was talking to Jared, I post I'm gonna have an article up, um, but. It seems like there's a one and a quarter difficulty modifier on it. Hmm. Um, I think damage for, for the enemies. I mean, like their HP pools. Plus, uh, he says there's really no other difficulty modifier other than that. Like the chaos with two sets of guys in a bullet hell type of shooter um, kind of adds to the confusion. Can you hurt um, each other? Is there friendly fire in that, or is it just no, no friendly okay. fire? There is a mechanic though that where you where you jump you can parry bullets okay um so you can like jump in front of your teammate and parry those bullets and you know if you're someone that's not too experienced with the game but man that game looks once again another game that looks gorgeous looks like nothing i've ever seen before in video games yeah i don't know if you caught their video about the making of but is traditionally animated in a 1930s style cartoon and it holds true to everything that goes along with that I mean, that was the the original thing that blew everybody's hair back at their announcement. Everyone was just like, this game looks amazing. Like, even if it plays like shit, because, you know, no one had hands-on at the time. But they were just like, that was the the first initial thing that they really came out swinging with. And it paid off. The game does look amazing. I will say that it does play well. Um, it feels like Contra. Good. It, you know, it it shoots well. There's enough mechanics to keep it interesting. Like I said, there's a parry, there's a dash, there's a special attack. Um, but you only really have like three hit points and, uh, so the game is, is set up to be, um, as I mentioned, boss, boss, boss level, as opposed to level, level, level boss. That's going to be my question. Because they said that you need a break. (laughs) So the, the level is sort of the little respite before jumping into like three more boss battles and the boss battles take time they are certainly endurance boss battles where you're just shooting 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 and like dodging it's one of those things where you don't even care what you're shooting at you're just looking at your own character to make sure he's avoiding everything mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but um the enemies uh, the ads that are in the boss fights and stuff they just look visually the game is so hard because everything is so beautiful that you want to look at everything too. So the first time through, you're probably just like, "Oh, that's look at that. That's so charming. That's so cool." And then eventually, and now you know, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, now you're dead. So now you gotta like, all right, it's not cute. Shoot it, kill it. That's <laughs> like, another. Move on to the next. It's just a game that's fun to watch someone else play too, because then you can really appreciate the visual aesthetic. Because you can, you're not focusing on staying alive, and you can just actually watch it and be like, "This is really awesome." 
It was yeah, the first like a good streaming game. Sure. Like just to watch other people mm-hmm. who are better at it. Just like, oh, this is what like top level play looks like on this game because I don't. That seems like one of those games I'm never going to get past like two or three levels slash bosses just because I'm just bad at platformers. And you said Contra, and I like kind of cringed a bit because I always sucked at Contra. It would probably behoove them to put uh, some kind of timer in it for speedruns because it warrants that for sure. Mm. This was also the first build that they actually laid a musical score over. And uh, it worked real well. Um, after I spoke with Jared, he was saying that uh, they were trying to find the right amount of, uh, you know, record player scratchiness right. to put on the on the music track. Kind of match and I told the visual him, like, style. I told him you could put a little more. I thought it'd be <laughs> a little bit more. It sounds a little too clean, but he said there's still a lot of tweaking. So, does that have uh, a one's that coming out? Um, they don't have a release date, but All they right. said this year. Do you think um, that the constant, like, uh, boss barrage uh, is could be a detriment to it? Um, there's also an easy mode. Okay. Uh, so there's regular and then easy. Excuse me. And um, that's for if you want to play through the game and kind of just enjoy the visual visuals. Or there was a guy next to me who was asking questions as well who wants to play with his kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's obviously the route that he's going to go. Um, I think that, yeah, you probably could hit a roadblock, but we're in a culture now where at least the games landscape is that we kind of like this punishment because the reward is that much better. Like you hit those super, super low lows before you hit the better high. Sure. So I think Cuphead is going to probably, if you beat it, it's going to have some bragging rights. Um, so let's uh, do that. Another game that is beautiful. Let's get into Pyre because yes. because Supergiant just dropped some some news on Thursday about two, one day or two days before PAX East like and hey, look we done. have a playable we have a playable demo yeah you brought that up they do that every yeah. time and Greg is um, like yeah it's the way we like to do it <laughs> yeah we talked so Go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah so so Pyre uh, when it was announced I remember hearing people describe it to me and not making a lick of sense, mm. and then seeing it there, and it made a little bit more sense, and then finally playing it and be like, oh, this is a sports game. <laughs> with That's an RPG. It's pretty cool. Uh, we all got to play it. Uh, Vic, I'll start with you. What was, what, what was your thought going into Pyre, aside from uh, we saw and we saw Logan, and we're just kind of, I remember I'm looking in there, I'm like, are they playing, is that basketball, rugby? What's going on there? Uh, what, what did you think of Fire going into? Uh, I saw the I saw the trailer before we went to PAX, and my initial thought was this isn't Logan's voice, and so I asked him about that, and he was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I don't know," but he's like, "But I'm in it, I'm in it, don't worry." And I was like, "All right, cool." Um, What's Logan's last name? Just for people who don't oh, know. Logan Cunningham. Cunningham. He's a voice actor, an actor, and he was the narrator in Bastion and the voice of the Transistor in Transistor, and uh, he's a friend of of ours, just you know, in the industry. He's a really great guy. And um, he's always at the Supergiant booth. You can always recognize him by his very unique hair and his voice. Um, but so I watch a trailer and yeah, it's hard to really grasp what that game is. Even with the trailer and people explaining it to you, people who have already played it. Um, but the reception was crazy. Of course, Supergiant is always extremely popular at PAX and other conventions and events. Um, but yeah, you really, once you get your hands on it, that's when everything really starts to click. You know, the first thing I noticed was the visual style. Everything looks really good. 
And soon after that, I noticed uh, Darren Korb, who's also done the uh, soundtracks for Transistor and Bastion. You know, once that, once you see the caravan moving right after you hit the title screen and the demo, and his music just starts to kick in, you're like, it just felt. I was like, yeah, this is a super giant game, and it feels really good. And uh, I really, it's just it. You know, we spoke to Greg about this about how this game just involves so many different genres. Uh, essentially, it's you know. You know, several people have said this, but it's basically, um, it's like Oregon Trail with, uh, you know, dialogue choices. And then, as John described it, American Gladiators, Powerball, uh, in in terms of, there's no battle, there's no killing, there's, uh, there's only this kind of sports competition, um, that everybody refers to it as, but, uh, Greg was pretty excited about the fact that we notice that there's no there's no uh, death or battle it's just you know this extreme high stakes competition for you to the premise is you know reading is uh, there are different classes in this world and uh, only like the higher tier and the higher class people are able to read so if you're born into a lower class but you're somehow able to read you get outcasted into a different land and this land sucks it's like a shitty desert that always has rain and you know and it's just like a group of you know degenerates and assholes all looking out for themselves for the most part you know a bunch of bandits and the only way to get out of this wasteland is to uh perform the the ritual of the rites um which is uh the uh, the, the, the sports ball soccer football yeah um and so you uh you play a character who, uh, you know, as far as we can tell, doesn't have a character model or voice or anything like that. Um, the voice acting in the game is, is, at least in the demo, was uh, either a different language or an amalgamation of languages or, or just gibberish. But it's very text-heavy. And then I like the text annotations that really uh, flow really well because in, in every you know text box there are certain things that you can just hover over and over just give you a little more flavor text john what is happening by your house yeah i'm, I'm hearing garbage trucks and sirens and guys i gotta go no i'm just kidding i think something happened with my mic where now i'm i'm peeking out all over the place and like i'm looking at my levels i think it's picking up a bunch of shit outside yeah, it was because I was I was hearing it. Like, all right, so all you gotta do is mute me for that part, so you're gonna have to scrub through for when Victor has his monologue and get rid of my shit. <laughs> no worries, uh, but yeah, ba- uh, uh, back to Pyre, your your guy can't read. What do you think of the actual? Because you said it was kind of this mishmash of different genres, where like I saw like as the caravan moves, like oh, this is kind of like Banner Saga going into these Banner Saga random right. events. Mm-hmm. And you know, you do things there. We made the guy. Uh, I made the guy shave off his mustache just because you know, like it looked dumb. So my dog person has no mustache permanently in my game now. And, and I went the other know, route. I didn't even see that. Oh man, you, you get rid of his mustache. It looks stupid. Uh, but then you're kind of just doing these weird random events before each of these uh, rites, which are like kind of like the matches going in there. And uh, John, if you're back, I think you maybe had the best description of the rights in uh empire for sure yeah american gladiators powerball powerball that was like one of my favorites dude it's a really said that description yeah it made a lot of sense because the idea it's it's three on three and basically a magic orb appears in the middle and on each end of the arena uh your team has a pyre 
And what you want to do is get that orb and just get into that pyre. Either throw it, run it in, or jump in. I didn't realize you could throw they... it into the pyre. I saw that you could throw the orb and didn't oh, even yeah, think it's about awesome. that. I did a lot yeah, of jumping. Yeah, if you use the big guy, yeah, if you use the big guy, he's like super long range. So you could sit like, you know, two quarters of the way down, just go. She, uh, and just Jody, throw it in. Jody something. Jody. Jody, yeah, Jody, Jody something. Jody. So you had like three classes. You had the little dog who's like super quick, but he he's only so apparently the points are per the class you have. Right. So the little dog guy who's super quick, only one point. If you do the big slow guy, you get three points, and if you do the medium person, you get one. Two. But the idea is everyone's surrounded by an aura. So when you have the aura, you're indestructible. But when you pick up the orb, you lose the aura. And the way, and then you have to try to avoid getting touched by people with auras, or if not, you get momentarily banished from the match. For it like sounds a... way more complex than it is when you're going to play it. I don't know. Like, um, yeah, even it definitely, it definitely took probably half a match until I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Like, there's a I lot can throw to consider. This, I can pass. I can just chump it if I want to. Throw it on the floor. Yeah. Like, there's a lot more freedom in the matches. It just, it. I think the issue was just wait. I don't have a sword. I don't have a what do I, what do I do? Like, how do I yeah. fight? I have to fight these guys, right? Like, nah, throw dude. Just you just turn turn on USA and watch some American gladiators <laughs> and throw that powerball. <laughs> you throw that powerball in the damn hole. Yeah, you once get... you start thinking, once you start thinking more about tactics and rather than like, okay, what do I do with combat? Then your brain starts to realize yeah. like what you have in your toolbox to to win these matches. There is a lot to consider, though. I mean, even you can only move one character at a time, you know, either, you know, whether if they have the, the ball or not. I don't know if the ball has a name, but um, it's the orb. The orb and, uh, but it is like there is a lot to go on because you can have to you can switch on the fly. You can pass the ball, but you can also position people so you can use their auras as a defensive measure. Uh, you can also link auras together to make them a little bigger. You can also shoot your aura out, and there's all timers on this. So there's like really like a lot to really consider, and it's all real time. There's no turn based. Um, but and aside aside from the pi the rights, which is what you're constantly preparing your squad for, your squad XCOM talk here. Your your <laughs> your rowdy bunch of rogue you're, travelers. Um, I'm just saying my team because it's a sport. Like. Sure, sure. Uh, between that, then you have you mentioned Oregon Trail. Um, you you have these kind of narrative flowing uh, Saishora middle parts, right, where you're preparing for your next right and you're making decisions that'll affect the narrative of the game. Um, you can also choose to like forage mm. or uh, research. Um, basically kind of making those XCOM type decisions where it's like, you can choose one of three. This is how you're going to progress. Um, that, and I think the last major mechanic of the game is basically being able to edit the dialogue because you are a reader technically. So as you're reading through the dialogue that's prompted on the screen, when the person is speaking gibberish, you can alter that. You can change it. Um, that's how you guys, well, George shaved the mustache off the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I went uh, south and just found, uh, like, trees and shit. I probably should have went yeah. to the village. Well, uh, did you guys play around a little bit when you got to forage? Like, you can click on all the, like, the map area. You can mm -hmm. click on all the shrubs and stuff, and everything moves really, know. really yeah. fluidly. Yeah, yeah, there's there's almost like an, an a uh, like a point-and-click adventure aspect to this, too, where, mm -hmm. like, you know, the, the environment's, you know, kind of interactable. Even when you're inside your caravan, you can click on things and... And if you hover over certain things, you'll get more kind of uh, flavor text and descriptions and things like there's it's a really dense world that I really want to explore more. You can tell that it's definitely got lore 
that is interesting. Like it's not immediately it's not immediately like oh this is cyberpunk up oh, this is west up oh, this is whatever. Uh, it feels like you said a super giant game where I want to know what's going on. And they said they always had this. Did you guys hear that? Yep. <laughs> you guys always you guys always hear that. Uh, always hear that. They always, they always have this aptitude to create worlds that are constantly eating themselves like destroying themselves Mm -hmm. you mentioned that um and you can feel it in this one you can feel like you're on the outskirts of something very bad happening and uh i'm I'm excited to get into the narrative uh i think another major point that you guys can watch the interview for when we get it up is talking about um because writing for three characters now and a group of characters or yeah, a, a whole world really, but I mean, it's a difference between writing for uh, a protagonist and their companion, which happened in the last two games pretty much. So I'm really interested to see Pyre. Yeah, Greg was. We were speaking to him about that. Uh, this is the first time he's ever written dialogue between characters, really, because he had the narrator and Bastion, and then Transistor and Transistor, who was basically the only voice you heard. Um, I think you know. I think actually it was the only voice. Um, but then this one, you know, he has to write conversations and dialogue between people. And it's not just you and your three companions. You find rival people, you go through villages, and other people you go against in the rights have their own comments and things. So I'm interested to see. Uh, it all seemed very great in the demo, but, uh, like, I have full confidence in Greg. Um, but it's, it would be nice to see it because he seemed pretty excited about it and as, as viewing it as a challenge and as something he's never really done before to this extent. From from such a small team, uh, yeah. it seems like Super Giant is excited about a lot of stuff, uh, a lot yeah, everything they do. Like they have every right to be. They have such a cool fan base and everything. Like what a what a great team that is. Agreed. Uh, yeah, George, so, uh, what was the game that you got to play at the uh, Devolver booth? I wanted to ask uh, you about that. Oh man, Ruiner, and I'll, I'll do the quick uh, elevator pitch for it. It's basically Hotline Miami set in a cyberpunk universe. It's really, <laughs> it's really cool. Uh, so yeah, a top down. So basically, what you do in this game is it's super hard, but you also have these. It's it's kind of mixed with melee and dealing with like range weapons you pick up as you go. So you have this ability to pop up a shield. So if you saw me play for a bit. All these cyberpunk gang guys were all shooting at me, but then I can just pop up a shield and go through them and do like a super ninja sh- uh, sword charge. Or I can slow down time and like highlight this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy, and then let it go. And then your guy does a super dash and hits one every point. And those are kind of limited charges. What's the, the game? What's the premise? What's up? Like, what's the premise of the game? Uh, the the premise from what I, from what I heard was uh your your brother gets kidnapped and kind of uh, the cyberpunk gangs are kidnapped. Kidnap your brother and then you find the kidnapping other people and the idea is you play this really cool looking guy with an led dac punk mask <laughs> that's and, what i want to uh, hear yeah and, and 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 the way the demo starts off is you're you're walking around and you're looking for this guy called the wizard who's this guy in like a trench coat and like pink glasses and you just immediately want to murder him because he just looks like a giant douche so and that was kind of all the motivation i needed as soon as i saw the wizard i'm like oh i need to kill this guy like i don't, I don't even care what his what he's about he just needs to die. his name is the fucking um, wizard is the wizard and he's a cyberpunk. That's his he's name. A hacker. His name, yeah. He's he's wizard the hacker. And I was just like, oh fuck this guy. Uh, but a real cool game. It's it it, it reminds me a lot of Hotline Miami because the little combat arenas are essentially just murder puzzles. Because you you can die in one or two shots, so it becomes an issue of like, okay, 
I know there's two dudes over here. I know this guy on the left always shoots off his uh, shotgun. So I need to either get a shield up here, dash this way, slow down time. That So it becomes – and then when you die, you immediately start like one room away. So you get to just redo that again. And I, and I like that. Like I don't like puzzle games, but I like me a murder puzzle game where the puzzle pieces are people to you know people to just like eviscerate. And it, that game just has really good style because you know the demo opened up. You're just kind of in an open – in like a hub world and it's – it looks really cool. It looks like just really weird anime and just like I and it's really violent and it just and, and what I like is the pace. Things just kind of kept moving and moving. So, as you know, when when you start getting to like the dungeony area, uh, you know, there's dudes to kill. Move on. More dudes to kill. Move on. More dudes to kill. And then it finds good breaks to kind of give you some exposition. Uh, but yeah, it looked really good. Devolver had a really good booth this year, and they were just showing off the two games. Um, I know I did R- Ruiner, and then right over, you were playing the best game of 1996, Strafe. <laughs> Strafe. Man, I'm excited for Strafe. Uh, you sound I excited. Had, I had some time with them. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite part about their booth at Strafe, uh, for Strafe specifically, is that they had their gaming rig in the case of like a 1990 PC. Like IBM. It was like an yeah. IBM, and they had the keyboards that was like chink, chink, chink. I was <laughs> trying to clicky mechanical keyboards. That was so cool. Oh, it was great. Uh, yeah, tell us a little about Strafe though, because uh, we have the you did the interview up for from uh, the guys from Pixel Titans. But man, that game looked good. Uh, definitely check out the interview. Um, they do a good job of explaining why they chose to go this route. Like I, I asked him why, uh, or or what it was like to produce a game that takes pl- that was set not sections they set in the 90s it's set in the future this um it's so hard it's just weird you know i bring up in the interview that we've almost come full circle right now we're doing games with the graphics of the 90s like you know uh 3d graphics of the 90s but anyway it's another go for a run type game don't want to call it a roguelike or victor might have a fit with me it's a roguelite <laughs> everyone likes to call it I mean, nobody likes to be affiliated with these terms, but these are just monikers that we give everything so we don't have to talk about it for too long. Um, too late. But it, it looks like Quake. It looks like Quake, and there's blood, and there's guts everywhere, and you can bunny hop. And circle strafe. <laughs> you can circle strafe, bunny hop. And I was using an authentic 1990 keyboard, which made the experience even better with the bottle of Purell next to it, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, but check out the interview. It'll give you more info. Uh I just think you should look out for Strafe, especially if you haven't seen that trailer yet. Oh, my God. Have you guys not seen the Strafe trailer? I, I, I wouldn't even want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. Like, just you look go for the check trailer it out. for Strafe, and it's just it, – it, it's good. It was it, for their it'll Kickstarter. Make, it'll, it'll give you the feels. And will, I think uh, uh, the, the main takeaway from that interview that I – you know, the best quote that I heard is uh, he's like, we didn't want to make um, – and um, his name escapes me, and I apologize for that. Uh, but he's like, we didn't want to just kind of remake Quake or Doom or anything. We just wanted to make a game that feels like how we remember those games to be. And uh, and I think that's a really good takeaway. Because if you actually go back and play those games, you're like, this kind of sucks, this kind of sucks, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, but if like if you make a game based on how you remember certain things, you're like, this game's amazing. And it his, his name was uh, Tom Glunt. He's Tom the Glunt. director on the game. Yes, yeah, and he really used to cool direct uh, music videos. And that's why he was telling us that um when they needed to make a kickstarter video he's like why don't we just do something fun and stupid and it's awesome 
and it's definitely fun and stupid. I feel bad for him. He had to wear that. Well, it was his choice, denim but jacket. he wore a <laughs> denim jacket, the same sweaty <laughs> denim jacket all weekend. And when we went to talk to him for an interview, he was just like, "Let's can, looked, we, can we do like this? Never can again. Do this? He, he looked out of it. You 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 went to him and be like, "Are are, are you okay? Because no one's asked me if I've been okay all weekend." And he, like, he looked like he was. He looked like he was gonna pass out. <laughs> Poor guy. He's like, I yeah, think you're he the media the guys to, uh, to offer to get me food and drink. <laughs> like you look. Look like you That's because at joysticking.com, we care. Uh, yeah. Man, well. yeah uh, so speaking of caring, especially, it's going to be a really bad segue, but we, we happy few. Can we talk about that, guys? We can. Let's do it. I want to talk segue. to, I want to, I want to have uh, Victor talk to us a little bit about his VR stuff. I can do that. But let's, let's talk we happy few first. Yeah, um, just a, a real brief, also, you hit a guy with a shovel. It was kind of amazing. Right before that, um, since you were talking about uh, Ruiner, uh, and we kind of skipped over Katana Zero when we were talking about Adult Swim games, that is also very reminiscent of uh, Hotline Miami. It's 2D, um, very puzzly of like, how do I go in here? Who do I have to kill? You know, do I throw this at this dude, slash with this? And you play as this kind of like, you know, modern samurai ninja. Um, but very briefly... Awesome game, felt really good, very fast pace. You know, kick open doors, hit dudes, throw this, slash the guy to the left, you know, block this, um, you know, slice this uh, bullet back at this other guy. Fantastic. Um, really check it out. Adult Swim is doing some great stuff. But Katana Zero is fantastic. But yes, yeah, we have awesome. a few. I didn't want to skip over it, so. <laughs> Uh, 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 yeah, John, we we happy few. So I came in a little late from for you uh, for your demo. Uh, when I came in, you guys were taking happy pills. What what the hell is going on? in we happy few? Well, we took the happy pills and then we tried the demo. <laughs> no, okay. So we to happy few. Joy. Uh, yeah, joy is a drug. Um, so we happy few is kind of this also like 70s london psychedelic mm-hmm. kind of yeah 60s so it's a dystopian world influenced by london uh, 70s london where you are this guy if you guys are familiar with equilibrium it's kind of a similar premise where everyone's on joy which is a drug a designer drug and everyone on joy is happy um you are faking it you are not taking joy you mm. are trying to get through this world and escape i guess was the premise there are quests yeah but i think escape was the final goal um and you want to fool people to thinking that you're on joy um you start the, the game in an area where uh the effects of joy these people live with the effects of joy that uh they don't take to it They're they lose immune, their minds yeah. they go insane um they do not when they take joy they lose their shit or they do not take it um leads to some really funny dialogue uh (laughs) things happening in the world where you're you interact with these these withdrawing characters and you just yell at them like penguins 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 the guy's like ah penguins what the fuck um so a lot of dialogue options like that not options a lot of dialogue like that uh before i get ahead of myself though the game is i don't want to say entirely procedurally generated but it's somewhat uh it's built like ftl he kept using ftl uh if you guys aren't familiar with ftl check it out it's really awesome but it's kind of like a node thing where the nodes the situations of each stage or the progression is random however there are a specific amount of nodes so the world isn't procedurally generated to that sense um and and they refer to as islands it yeah and it's a stealth game right 
There are so, there's stealth elements. It is a first person game, um, and you are moving throughout this world that is kind of dishonoredy, Bioshocky kind of feel. Um, yeah, and then because I saw John was making, he made an outfit so he can look like the rich people, and there's yeah, there was a crafting system in there. I saw him make an enhanced mm. rock, which yeah, because he he sharpened better. the rock with love, if I remember <laughs> the text correctly. The flavor text is is great. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, you can take joy, and I think that was my favorite part of the game is when uh, the guy who I was working with, uh, he said, take it, try it, see what happens. And when you actually do take joy, the entire world lights up, and there's blue skies, and you have some pep in your step, and you feel joyful. Um, what it's actually used for, though, is it's a stealth element. It's using kind of like a guise to get past the other people that are on joy. Um, so it works like a stealth game. It's inconsequential. Like and there's no fail state, so it's not like if you get caught, you're gonna, you know. Well, uh, but there's combat as well, so you can really just choose how you want to go about things and finish your quests. The combat felt a little rigid, kind of like you know Bioshock did when it first came out. Uh, but the game feels very for a an island type game, um, that meaning like the node type thing. It mm-hmm. was very very atmospheric. Um, but every time you play the game, he was saying like you're. He was unable to direct me because the items that I had to find were spawning in different places. The situation that I began with may have been a little bit different, um, but the visual style is once again just like all the other games we're talking about. It's just it offers so much. It's just so pretty. The comedy is on point, and uh, you know. I think that it's going to be a cult hit. I don't know if it's going to have massive success, but I'm I'm pretty sure there's going to be some cosplaying. There's definitely yeah, like you know the uh, police and the security all have just giant smile masks on, and everyone's walking around. Just, Everyone kind of like has like a little swing in their arms and a pep in their step because you, you can't know, like, see right now. But what George is doing is he's popping his arms up and down like he's gallivanting. Or Victor. Um, if you... <laughs> Victor. <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah, and then when you take uh, Joy, you can actually see your arms in first person, um, and everything's very psychedelic and bright and everything, and it's just the juxtaposition between where you start and, like, you know, because they just kind of, it's kind of similar to Pyre, I guess, where, you know, they just kind of outcast people who either don't take Joy or are immune to the effects of it, and then so, and they just kind of lose their minds, and so it's interesting to be in that middle tier where you seem to be, you know, as far as we could tell, the only person who's not taking it on purpose, but also is kind of played off uh, as if you were. I didn't no. quite get the vibe as to where our our character sits right. in in the system. Um, I was so focused on like the comedy is really what got me uh, for sure. It's got some uh, comedy, comedic style. The guy kept getting—he wasn't getting mad at me, but it must suck when people compare your games to other games all the time. But I kept saying Bioshock, Bioshock, Bioshock. Yeah, Um, he didn't really seem too thrilled about that. He's like, everyone says that, and that's where we kind of left. Kind of looks like Bioshock. Well, you know what, dude? If you think about it, Joy, Adam. Uh, Eve, they're definitely you know, yeah. There there are parallels that you could draw to, but this is a very different feeling game, especially with the crafting system and the yeah. the different uh, the procedurally generated things and the different um, the different quest lines. You know, there's a main quest, but there is also all the quests are procedurally generated, or at least how you come across them and things. And you know, like you said, there are like 
you know, chess and things. Um, they're not going to less linear than Bioshock. Extremely, and uh, and the crafting system changes a bunch, and um, yeah, and so I see, can see where the frustration was just like, hey, I like Bioshock too, and they're like, son of a bitch. <laughs> We're finally getting to a point where these procedurally or semi-procedurally generated games aren't going to feel procedurally generated, and I think. We Happy Few is a step in that direction where it's going to feel like it's a tight narrative, uh, you know, on rails type of thing or, or, you know, narratively driven throughout the environments, but it's also procedurally generated. So I, I think We Happy Few is the first time I was actually surprised that it was procedurally generated because you could play things that are roguelites or dungeon crawlers or whatever. And you're kind of like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's just a, you know, kind of. Not the same as, uh, assets, but you can see, you know, it just kind of clicks. And then when you went out into the city for the first time in our starting location, which apparently changes, um, and we have a few, it was like a full city. And he was like, yeah, I have no idea where you should go right now. And you can go <laughs> into, you know, if not every building, most of them, and they all have things inside to discover and this and that. And he's just like, yeah, it's always different. And yeah, just to have like entire I my, cities. I had my face behind a newspaper hiding in front of the fireplace i was being very actually the first thing you did was just like murder a woman because you saw a takedown (laughs) button and throw her in a trash can yep took her down paul mcmahon's which other people were not thrilled about so usually it's the difference between something being built with legos and something being built with i don't know cement or whatever built wood right like usually in in procedurally generated stuff, you can start to see the parts, right? You can start to see the parts repeating. You just be like, mm-hmm. okay, there's, you know, the code generates that, the code generates this. Um, but like you said, Victor, I think this is the first time where it's minimal. It's very minimal where you can actually see the seams in the I procedural mean, generation. In the final game, maybe you'll see, you know, after you know a couple playthroughs or whatever, you'll start seeing repeats and stuff. But it was the it was the first time where you go out into the area and. I just thought it was, that was the city. And he was like, oh, no, this is all procedural. I have no idea what to do right now. And I was like, that's actually really awesome. I would have never have guessed that right off the bat. Yeah, we had a half hour with it. And I, it was uh, if you didn't tell me it was procedurally generated, I wouldn't have known. Exactly. Um, that's what, yeah. So, Victor, as we're winding down a little bit, tell me about um, what you got to play on PSVR. Because I had a really good experience with Thumper um, on PSVR. Uh, there's a write-up on the site about it. Uh, but what did you get to play with, with your appointment? Uh, I also got to play Thumper with you uh, when we were there getting footage in for our appointment. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which uh, I uh, was, a, a, I guess, more animated uh, than you were. Thumper is a <laughs> very, very intense um, uh, rhythm game that's, you know, you're basically this little, like, uh, chrome scarab uh, on uh, on rails. Um, and you can jump and lean um, and you have to do that in to the uh, to, you know to the beat of the song, which is like a very intense. Uh, it's hard to describe that song because it's not it's not like a pop song. It's not it's not like a normal kind of song. It's, it's like very... it's like a metronome. It's like yeah, you know, think think uh, think uh, Matthew McConaughey and Wolf of Wall Street beating on your chest. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's <laughs> you know, very like... rhythmic. It's very primal, but it's but it, extremely electronic. Primal is um, a good word for it. And it's and it's super loud and um and so I was messing around and the games on Steam or PC at least or will be so it's not just VR but the VR I think adds a lot to it uh, because I was 
change in my perspective and it's very you know like when you pass you know certain levels and everything and things explode they kind of shoot past you and it's very you know it's cool and very immersive but i was also getting as low as possible so i could see like under the scarab when i jump to certain beats i was looking behind me and then the rails that you're on just keep going forever and they're like these neon rails um and it's you know it's very uh colorful but simplistic it's you know the you know there's no real world around you it's just kind of just colors and you know a very electronic feeling kind of uh winamp mixer kind of thing um not as a bad thing but so that was really cool thumper's awesome uh on thursday we played uh, some stuff at a microsoft event um and their headquarters over there which i believe was the descent demo the descent vr whatever it's called was it um, descent though or was it a different name I don't remember. Descent uh, is what it played like, anyway. I know there is a descent like. There is a, yes, exactly. <laughs> it was a descent like. Make a new genre because <laughs> uh, there is descent on uh, VR, but I think it's only like it might only be multiplayer. But this may have just been like a it was it was a small area, um, and they didn't have any signage or anything for it. It was just like, hey, come check out uh, this Oculus. So Thumper was on the PSVR. This was on the Oculus. Both felt really great, actually. Um, I broke the game. Because nice. I flew around, I shot some stuff, it felt really cool, and I looked around. We have like a little bit of B-roll of that. Uh, and then my friend wanted to play after me, so I found a way to just fly through the world and escape. <laughs> and then doing that in VR is really a whole new thing than actually just breaking the game and falling through the world uh, as you normally would. Because then you could just look around into nothingness and you kind of have this existential crisis for a hot second. I was just going to say that sounds super existential. <laughs> like I broke I broke free of the world and there was nothing when I reached it. Exactly. Because I mean you could still look reality. at the model and fly around it and it's over there. But then if I just turn my head to the right, there's just gray and nothing and no sound. And it's just like... It, you know, what's if you really let your mind get immersed into VR, it can really fuck with you. Uh, how was so you did? How you, was Job you did Simulator? PSVR too, right? Uh, Job Simulator uh, was the first time I got my hands on it. So I was playing on PSVR with two Move controllers. So I never got my hands on the Vive, which I don't even know if it was at the show at all. Uh, but Job Simulator was really great. They only had a five minute demo because they were super busy. Um, but. I've seen some footage of it, and I tried some things uh, that I knew would happen. You know, like you could find the uh, rotten donut in your trash can, and you can eat things by just putting them into your face, which is like a weird... So wait, uh, what what job were you simulating? I was in the cubicle. So you were just kind of like a desk jockey kind of guy, and mm -hmm. just like everything... There's, you know, the, the flavor, the atmosphere kind of... Uh, uh, environmental storytelling if you if you will i guess is all pretty you know there's post notes that just say like you know productive and you know very kind of just <laughs> jokey things like it has a very good uh tongue-in-cheek sense of humor and uh so you can eat things by just shoving them into your face uh which is like a thing i've never done you know it's an odd motion but it's really fun so i ate this um rotten donut and just vomited everywhere and so seeing that from first person you just see like in um and you can actually like do work. You can plug in your computer. You can actually like type in your password. And the keyboard is only just one and zero, so everything is just binary. Like, and everything's very clunky, or not clunky, but like just large and easy to hit, you know. And it's everything makes sense. Um, and then there's a copy machine, and you can just copy everything. How'd the um, move controllers know. feel? The move controllers were good. Um, and from what I've seen with the Vive, I think I'd rather play Job Simulator on the Vive. Um, they were telling me that this is very early code, 
Um, so I was actually helping them troubleshoot a couple things with the with the controller, uh, the uh, camera rather, because you kind of have to be, you know, there are no wires or anything, but the camera's watching you, so you kind of have to be aware of that. So I could turn around and it would track my head and I could still move and, and look around and everything, but I couldn't see the move controllers, so I didn't have hands anymore because my body was blocking it physically and the were in the real world uh, from mm-hmm. the camera. Another so, existential crisis in Job exactly. Simulator, even. <laughs> like, what is even real anymore? Um, but I had a lot of fun with it, and like I said, it was super early code, but that's also just uh, the camera visibility is just kind of virtue of, you know, how they built PSVR versus, you know, the Vive and, and other things and whatever Oculus Touch will be like. But that was a lot of fun, and I highly recommend it, even though it was just five minutes. I had a great time with it. So we're taking any drugs? <laughs> I couldn't find any drugs. Just that joy. Donut. Take some joy. I would take love to joy. take joy in VR. We have like another eight games to talk about, but I think we're running short of time, at least long, for yeah. this episode. We should probably do like a second, second episode, just talking about packs and mm. um, maybe following up, doing half packs and then half news, maybe next week sure, or yeah, something like sure. that. Um, so if there's anything you guys want to say, I mean, I we can also close out packs, you know, next week if you guys want to talk about it then. Mm. But uh, we saw I mean, so much stuff. I know, so dude. Stuff. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, if 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 we do want to end it, I do have a question for the group. Shoot. Favorite fictional drug? Go. I love the idea of spice. Mm. Star Wars spice. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. What was a what was was it Red Eye and Cowboy Bebop? Is that what that's it was called? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Or what about the one in I, Dread? Slow mo. Oh, oh slow mo would be awesome, dude. Unless you die like that one girl. Spoilers for Dread, but she falls like forty stories in slow motion, and that sounds terrible. Oh man, the whole a, time. New, Isn't that kind of just guy. another existential metaphorical life thing? You're just falling <laughs> in slow motion your whole life. Oh man, this is getting <laughs> way too meta for me. Uh, Let's wrap John, up. You, yeah, you you need a job. You're really bumming me. Let out. me get Job Simulator. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of jobs uh, in there. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to the uh, Joypod PAX East 2016 edition. Uh, I'm George Jimenez, and joining me as usual, Mr. Victor Caligianis. Take it easy. And John has a little. Later, y'all. Check out the site content. Later, uh, y'all. Yeah, You're going with later, y'all. Yeah, that's, I didn't. That's, that's what you even I didn't fuck with like your outro. Double fucking. You did, did, like, they, I'm. Peace I'm signs. so happy no one saw that. Uh, <laughs> see, when I do when I do this, it's not really. It's more me just like casually being like peace signs. Just so it's like this, know. but I don't. So you guys can't see, but I'm v- doing variations on peace signs, waving goodbyes. Um, I think they all but work. Just a fucking akimbo every I, time it has to be both hands. I'm John Azalona. See you guys. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's you're much right. better. Hi <laughs> guys. Signing off. You should probably you should probably fade out a little yeah, before yeah. that. I'm gonna stop. Yeah, about 30 minutes ago. Oh, yeah.